Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com. And remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, fuckers. So I told you that this month has been an extra research heavy one over in the private stream and community, which means that you get an extra episode here on the public stream as well. Let's talk about these relationship issues. So when I think of relationships, it probably comes at no surprise at this point that my brain immediately starts flipping through a uh, Rolodex of terrible experiences and expected future results along the same line. As I've said recently, try relationships again. Ah, hell no. Nah. I have seen too much, and these memories have only gotten stronger in the past few years of, um, let's say, perpetual relational abuse. And also general world trauma. Namely, when I think about connecting with others and become repulsed by the idea, it's because I'm unfondly reliving ghosts of cyclical, pointless, enraging conflicts that can seemingly never be resolved. To me, it feels like no one is ever really fighting about what they're fighting about on the surface. The issue isn't the real issue. So there's no way to fix it. And instead, we just run in nonsensical loops. Here's a statement from one partner. Here's an unrelated response from the other. And now we're on to a whole new topic without ever acknowledging what's even been said. Because, again, the stated issue isn't the issue. Fighting itself seems to always be the purpose of fighting. And we'll learn why that is today. So, in this super dense month of talking about relationship challenges that start from the inside out, 
We've continued talking about research and best practices gathered from couples counselors who utilize internal family systems therapy to help their clients actually resolve issues by getting to the bottom of what they really have always been about, namely that we have unseen needs and self-doubts which we expect to be mended by relationships, by magic. Relationships shouldn't be work. They should be easy, we tell ourselves. This other person will heal me and set my life on a whole new course. Well, this is what constitutes an unconscious relationship, as it's called. Or falling into a partnership with someone without an overarching perspective of the reality of it. Because the truth is, relationships are painful. They have obstacles. They inevitably include conflict and confrontation. And it's only through taking responsibility for ourselves, getting real self-exploratory when these road bumps present, that we can grow in ourselves and repair the connection so we can grow together. Realizing these points and then signing up for the experience anyways, intentionally, with commitment to overcoming those challenges, and realizing that, in fact, those inevitable conflicts are generally less tied to external factors between us as compared to internal battles raging inside of each of us, well, that's what we call a conscious relationship. And that's what we're aiming for. Being aware of what's happening inside of us before we go ahead and point the finger at the other party. Realizing that those nasty bits of yourself are going to pop up at some point and you will have to resolve their issues inside of you before you can expect to resolve relational misalignments outside of you. And staying in the relationship anyways, growing from it, seeing someone else do the same as you mutually catalyze each other's oft-painful growth. That is the point of engaging in these conscious relationships, even after a lifetime of nothing good ever coming from past experiences. To heal the wounds created by those past experiences all the way back to infancy, that's the goal. And that isn't accomplished by anticipating that anyone else can dig around your insides uncover your pains, and stitch your wounds with the salt of their tongue or an Instagrammable wedding. So let's talk about effective ways to do it, to engage in these conscious relationships. First, let me tell you an important statement from one of our chosen researchers this month. They told us that the external conflict what clients bring to the therapy office as their major complaints? Well, it's not really the content of that dispute that matters so much at all. 
Actually, it is the degree of conflict itself. Because we don't often know what the real issue is that we are reacting to. It can be deeply buried in the subconscious, hidden by layers of more obvious complaints, apparent abuse histories, and relatively easy-to-discuss problems compared to the rest of what we're carrying on the inside. But the level of conflict that's taking place on the outside between partners is actually reflecting the degree of conflict that's taking place on the inside in each partner. It's indicative of the fighting going on between each individual's own damn parts. So remember how we discussed polarized parts back in internal family systems therapy month? How we have these portions of our brains that carry oppositional and counteractive programming to one another. We believe we should be this person, but also here's 10 reasons why we actually should act that way instead. Or we want that thing, but also experience immense shame and guilt for it. Or we desire closeness and connection. But at the same time, we have an infinite list of reasons why that is a horrible idea. Our parts don't agree within our own brains. So when we have brain cells that lead us in 50 different directions within ourselves, how do you think that's going to present in relationship? With a lot of drama? Confusing changes in plans, thoughts, feelings, goals, and overall personalities. With a lot of explosions when we're internally agitated and confused and then project those events onto the blame of others. And all the while, with us trying to protect ourselves from dealing with these painful parts of ourselves, as we outwardly flail at our relationship partner and call them the problem. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's the vibe. And it explains my aforementioned feeling that this issue isn't really about this issue pretty succinctly. So, as we've said before, we tend to project outwards what we're not dealing with inwards. And you can blame your protector parts for a lot of that behavior. In fact, this month we discussed more shitty protector part strategies in relationships after we got a nice introduction to those tactics last month. We found out that protectors, also known as managers, are particularly bad programs in our brains when it comes to communication. So remember that protector parts always have to be right. They must be correct, and they literally can't see it any other way. They're rigid. They feel like letting down their guard or ever admitting defeat will result in immediate destruction. They feel responsible for keeping you and all of your parts safe, and it is a burdensome, stressful, rather egoic position to be in. Therefore, in disagreements, 
these protective programs and strategies believe that listening signals agreements, demonstrate that they are not engaged, and don't allow others the chance to fully express themselves. When they're fearful that they're being taken advantage of, they prematurely offer solutions rather than offering empathy, they agree to disagree, and they formulate counter-responses instead of genuinely tuning into what's being said. And, uh, man, non-gendered, I have a whole lot to say about all of these points, personally, but we're not going to do it here. Check the full episode stream for all my reflections on bad protector behaviors. But at the core of it, these tactics keep us from wholly connecting, sharing our experiences, or hearing the other party so we can understand what they are trying to say. That means there never will be conflict resolution. Only protective parts trying to fend off other protective parts, while each person's capacity for vulnerability and connection gets driven further and further from the surface. Problem being, as we keep reiterating until it worm times its way into your brain, each person's parts will set off each other person's parts. So when one of us fronts with a protector, which is contextually pretty unavoidable in the relationally traumatized population. The other is going to react in a corresponding fashion, leaving no one in their best mind, only in their most pained and self-defensive parts, which are then slated as enemies of each other turning us into opponents rather than relational partners working together. So, considering how our reactive brains act towards each other and how these behaviors fuck our chances at a healthy relationship, as we talked about last time, what can we do when we're engaged in parts battles aiming for a conscious partnership? Well. Here are a few pointers from the research that we go into in greater depth in the longer versions of the show. Don't react right away. Wait to respond. Notice your own projections. Acknowledge your internal reactions and sensations. Place them in your own history. Try to realize the real pain points that are deep inside of you. And don't ever speak from your parts. Speak for them. So our goal is always to respond rather than to react. Responding is thoughtful and purposeful. Reacting is a crapshoot of automatic brain responses. And who knows what the fuck you're going to get. We need to know what we're really feeling and thinking, and doing, rather than tossing accusatory blame at our partner, rather than seeking the answer on the inside. And we also benefit from realizing where our current emotions are, you know, maybe getting polluted by past experiences, and then exploring those emotional spews individually, privately, 
before we react to something from 10 years ago today at our partner. At the same time, identifying the historical underlying pain, creating these emotions, tells us what we're trying to shield ourselves from re-experiencing in the present. The things that are too painful from the past for us to go through them again. And when we recognize those things, we can focus our effort on speaking to that hurt rather than running our goddamn mouths from its reverberations. So don't speak from your parts in conflict, being your reactive pre-programmed brain bits, unless you really want word vomit to emanate from your damn mouth. They will spit out whatever pains they have been holding on to for decades without your overarching self-management. And who fucking knows what will come out? Probably nothing that's especially relevant to today so much as it's releasing a shit torrent that's been bottled up for a lifetime. Right? Those pointers make sense so far? Cool. Additionally, practitioners who use IFS in couples therapy recommend something that's called a U-turn to return when we're in conflict. This process enables each person to drop out of their parts into their capital S self to regulate their nervous system and to place their thoughts and feelings in factually accurate history so that they can open up space for their partner to speak in the present without receiving reactivity in return. First, you notice your reactivity, all the thoughts, feelings, and bodily sensations raging through your system. Then you inquire about what the reactive part is trying to say and do. Understand its story, understand it's a segmented patch of memories and beliefs, not your full self or full life history. Ask the part who or what it's protecting, keeping that locked in history viewpoint in mind and trying to update it into the present day and everything that's happened since. You have to pay attention to what was going on then that it's still trying to fend off now. Listen to the part Validate that it helped you adaptively survive that past situation, appreciate it, and then try to bring it up to speed. Try to help it meet you in the present. Then you return to the relationship dynamic with the big S self guiding the mission. That allows your partner to do the same, to show up with their big S self And communication can then be freely had without all the inner reactivities halting all progress and keeping you locked in conflict. And remember, speak for your parts, not from them to do this. You speak from the big S self, which is the observer of the parts. This practice keeps us committed to resolving conflict rather than drawing it out and complicating it with details that do not truly matter. It helps us to learn to regulate our own nervous systems, which eventually remodels our autonomic nervous system to be less reactive overall. 
We can also adopt co-regulation skills so we can help our partner get into a grounded and centered place with our own energy and vice versa. And most of all, this whole process keeps us responsible and accountable. Our inner worlds have to be cared for before we can attempt to fix the outer one or before we can possibly think that we can mend the inner world of someone else. Which brings us to our last big point of this super info heavy series. We benefit from relationships that we're both consciously committed to with an agreed-upon purpose of doing this inner labor that's necessary to keep the partnership alive, healthy, and growing. We need to say, yeah, we'll have fights, there will be conflict, it's going to hurt, but it's actually for everyone's betterment, individually as well as together. Because it's going to reveal our deepest, darkest wounds. And at that point, we can actually heal them rather than keeping them hidden from ourselves forever. Then we can become better together through doing our work self-accountably and then seeing each other grow and doing it mutually. As the individual changes, the relationship dynamic has to change too. I'll say that again. As the individual changes, the relationship dynamic has to change too. And that catalyzes the development of both partners. Or, on the other hand, We can always hit those pain points, tell our partner it's all their fucking fault, and turn away from the connection, engaging in endless conflict instead of examining our own selves, and never getting to the root of the issue between us or what's really inside of us, so the rest of our relationships can follow the exact same pattern. Instead, When we don't do that nightmare that I just described, when we mutually commit to the relationship, then we mutually commit to returning from conflicts within ourselves to reconnect and make effective alterations with our partner that emanate from changes we're making internally through our own healing then we don't have to fear abandonment or rejection because those wounds are being dealt with. We don't have to hide ourselves. We don't have to combat our own sense of unworthiness with ever tougher cognitive programs and projections. We can actually fulfill our need for human connection, acceptance, and love from the inside out. And that's the healing that all motherfuckers need to meet their family of origins failings. Something that I'm told is possible, even for motherfuckers like us. So, where do you stand on relationships now? 
saying, ha, 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 yeah, that's real fucking nice, but you're making a lot of assumptions about my partner being willing to do all the horrible shit that you just mentioned. Yeah. Uh, I heard those statements already, my friend. They've been chanting in my head for this entire sort of lofty relationship series. So as nice as it's been, next month, we are going to come back and talk a bit more realistically. If you're not in a relationship that's going to be taken to the therapy office anytime soon because it's too early or they're unwilling or there isn't an IFS couples therapy option available or your resources just aren't there right now, then how can we start getting some picture of the parts and the wounds that our partner possibly contains. Maybe before we go ahead and commit to a relationship with them, before we know what we're really getting involved with. We'll come back to talk about it next month, but I have to give you the caveat now, we're not going to be diagnosing anyone. It's not helping even if you intend to. Instead, I'm saying that maybe we can get some idea of the brain programming that they carry so at least we can understand if some of their baffling behaviors that they haven't begun to unravel yet are going to be something we can deal with or not. And maybe we can respond to their antics from a knowing, big-ass self-place as we decide if it's worth engaging in a committed, conscious relationship, or fucking not, rather than letting our own parts get pulled into the unseen war that this person is holding inside without knowing what we're charging into. So, I will see you next month for some lowdowns in the four full episodes that I am putting out on those topics in July. It's a heavy relational topical series and a heavy workload. And if you are wanting even more information on better communication between partners and building those skills now, as revealed by the experts, go ahead and dig into the full versions of this year's relational research episodes and also check out the Motherfuckers Speaks community submissions for relatable insights via fuckers like ya. Hit that content up at patreon.com slash motherfuckers and help me eat so I can keep putting out this information while you're at it. And, you know, if this kind of lofty, nebulous relationship talk has been your jam, we will be coming back to talk further about nonviolent communication soon, too, aka how we all should learn to speak to each other instead of transmitting control tactics and trauma onto one another's spongy little brain boxes. Stay tuned, y'all. It is a relational work year, as this motherfucker does the same. And if you're still here, I'd guess that you are ready to take that conscious relationship bullshit by the horns, too. Let's do it together. Knowing that there is actually a very deep brain rewiring purpose 
for the pains known as relationships. Till we speak again next time, hail your damn self, hail a new perspective and set of tactics for relationships, and a view of what they really can offer, including how we can heal our own selves through them. Hail, Archie. And that's it. Cheers, y'all. Talk to you soon. Bye. That hopeless, we're not as fucked as you think it's showing moments. We can't do anything, a fucking joke is we're winning when you blink it's showing moments. Well see with victory. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.